Hey, um, a lot of the times we start a new year, we make plans and we present them to God and say, God, can you bless our plans? I just want to park a better question ahead of that question in the queue of your life uh, and, and make sure that we park a better question at the front of the queue as we enter 2015. The better question than asking God to bless our plans, the better question is to say, God, what do you have planned this year? What are your plans and how can I submit my life? How can I align my thoughts, my actions to achieve your plans? How can I serve at the pleasure of the King of Kings this year? And guess what? Oftentimes, and it's a promise that Jesus made, is when we put God's plans first, He actually helps some of our plans come to being as well. So we want to start the year, get as much traction as we can. We want to point ourselves to due north. Where's God leading us this year? Get as much traction as we can early on. Get the right direction and then start to get maximum momentum. So for the next five weeks, I'm going to preach my brains out to you, okay? I will do that all year. I do that every week. It's my commitment to you. Your commitment is to be here for the next five weeks. Your commitment, I'm saying what your commitment is for you, by the way, your commitment is to be here, be ready to engage with what God wants to say, and as a result, line your life up and get some momentum going in January to set this up to be an incredible year for you. We're going to talk around the life of David. Those of you that want to appear smarter and more biblically functional than you are, I can tell you over the next five weeks, we're going to just be reading from 1 Samuel chapter 16 and 1 Samuel chapter 17. So you can even do this. You can get your little uh, smart device out, open up version, punch in 1 Samuel chapter 16 now. Don't read your Bible for the six days in between every week. Come next Sunday, open the app, and bam, you're already there. The verse I'm going to preach out of. Now, I don't recommend you do that, but I'm just giving you a head start if you need it. We're going to talk about some lessons from the life of a guy named David, one of the most well-known, if you've ever heard of the word, the Psalms. He wrote the Psalms. He was the king of Israel, Israel's best, most well-known ever king. I want to start... This morning, from when David first enters the landscape that we now know because somebody wrote it down in what we call the Bible. And here's how the story starts. God addressed Samuel. Samuel was a prophet of God at the time. A prophet, somebody that speaks on behalf of God. God addressed Samuel. So how long are you going to mope over Saul? Saul was the king at that time. Saul was the king and he was appointed at that time, by God to be the king of Israel. However, he'd lost his mojo. He was no longer obeying God as the king of Israel. God had let Samuel know that Saul's time was soon up, that God had already written him out of the future script. He was still on the throne, but not for very much longer. And that gravely upset Samuel because Samuel wanted Saul to do well. Samuel wanted the king of Israel to be a godly king. Saul had shifted course and now Samuel was upset. And God said to him, at this point, how long are you gonna mope over Saul? Now I could just pull the handbrake on right now 
and preach for the next 30 minutes just on this part alone as we enter the new year. Because for some of you, you've got some things that happened in 2014 that you can't change, that you can't fix, and you have a choice. How long are you going to mope over them? How long are you going to let them affect your 2015? Or are you going to say, God, I've crossed the line. I'm going to leave them behind. I'm going to chart a new course. I'm going to trust you for new beginnings, new start, new vision, new passion, new energy. How long are you going to mope over that failed business? How long are you going to mope over that stupid financial decision? How long are you going to mope over that relationship that didn't turn out the way you'd hoped it would? How long are you going to mope over Saul? Now, I'm not going to keep preaching on that because I already did in 2014. I preached a message called The Horn, The Sword, and The Robe. Just the title itself should pique your curiosity. In a, in a topic, in a subject that we covered, this is your permission slip. That following Jesus is not a prison sentence. It's a permission slip. It's not about what we can't do. It's about what we can do. It's not about what God says don't do. It's about what God says do do. And you can listen to that courtesy of our podcast. Man, I'm just getting warmed up here. And I'm already excited. I have, oh man, I tell you what. Sundays don't come around quick enough. How long are you going to mope over Saul? You know, I've rejected him as king over Israel. Fill your flask with anointing oil and get going. It's 2015. Fill your flask with anointing oil and get going. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've spotted the very king I want among his sons. I can't do that, said Samuel. Now, just remember that statement right there. I can't do that. You understand God's just called him to do something. Do you think God calls us to do something we can't, we can't do? Well, hold that thought. I'll come back to that. I can't do that. He didn't say I won't. He wasn't being disobedient. He was doubting his own capacity, right? Spoiler alert, he didn't have enough faith in God because he wasn't meant to do it in his own capacity. Spoiler alert. I'll come back to that. Saul will hear about it and kill me. God said, take a heifer, big fat cow, with you and announce, I've come to lead you in worship of God with this heifer as a sacrifice. Make sure Jesse gets invited and, I will, and I'll let you know what to do next. I could preach the rest of this 30 minutes on that little verse alone as well. Go and then when you get there, I'll, I'll, I'll then let you know what to do next. I'm not telling you now. And in fact, you won't ever find out unless you go and you've just told me you can't. But I'm saying, yeah, you can, but I'm not going to tell you what you're supposed to do beyond a little bit of a hint. More faith required. But I'm not going to preach for 30 minutes on that. Because in 2014, I preached on that many times. You can listen to all of our podcasts from last year and catch yourself up. I'll point out the one you are to anoint. Now, this word anoint is the key word this morning. It's a Bible word. I'm not sure how many times you've used that word recently or even heard that word recently. It's a Bible word. We don't even use that word too much because it, it, it takes so long to explain it that, that you kind of knock people off course. So, but I'm going to spend the next 30 minutes explaining it so I'm confident in using it. Anoint. I will show you the one you are to anoint. See, the idea back then, there was a lot of, and it's true today, in the Jewish faith, there's a lot of symbolism. 
There's a lot of elements and, and moving parts that are very symbolic. Well, the idea behind anointing is that someone would, would have a flask, a little horn um, of oil, extra virgin, first cold-pressed olive oil, because that's how they rolled back then, old school. And, and, and you would take that flask of oil, that, that, that animal's horn of oil, and you would pour that over somebody's head. And it would often be done in a celebration, okay? It would often be done as a, as a, as a symbol of, of, of celebration and of, of extravagance, of God's provision, uh, that God's a God that's more than enough. El Shaddai. There are other times when that very same symbolism indicates that somebody has been given a, a particular assignment by God, and the oil, the assignment is, is demonstrated by singling that person out. And the oil is a demonstration that you will have access to God's presence and God's power in, a, in such a way and in such a volume, such a force that you will be able to accomplish the assignment, right? That was what was going on here. And I wonder, in fact, not only do I just wonder, I really, really hope that God either has or will give you an assignment in 2015 that absolutely terrifies you. That's my prayer for you. The good news is when God gives us an assignment, it comes gift wrapped with an anointing. The batteries are included. Not like the pesky toys where you have to buy the toy, but none works, got no power, you have to go and buy the batteries separately. When God gives us an assignment, it comes gift wrapped with the anointing, the power to accomplish that assignment. That's actually why it was a little bit weird that Samuel said, I can't do that because God already knew that he's given Samuel the assignment to go and look for the son of Jesse to anoint him as the next king. And God knew I'm gift wrapping that with the anointing to accomplish that assignment. You with me? All right, see, some preachers misinterpret silence in the chairs as falling asleep. But I know that that's not the sort of people you are. I know that this is deep thought and concentration, sort of like, oh, grasshopper. <laughs> in this story, God sent Samuel with a horn of oil to anoint David, which then pushed the next domino over that David would have his assignment to become king and with that, the anointing to accomplish that assignment. Jesus came 2,000 years ago. We just finished celebrating that throughout the Christmas season. He left. <clears throat> but when he left, he, he said to the people that were mourning that he was soon to, to die and, and, and leave earth, he said to them, don't, don't be troubled. It's better that I go because I'm going to go, but I'm going to send another who's like me, who not only be with you, but this guy, God's Holy Spirit will actually live in you. You get it? See, Jesus could only be in one place at one time. 
His Holy Spirit is omnipresent, all places, all time. It's led some people to say, better the Holy Spirit inside you than Jesus beside you. Well, the good news is we got both. We don't have to choose. But what I'm saying is now we don't have to walk around looking for Samuel's special reserve selection of extra virgin olive oil. We've got God's Holy Spirit when we choose to follow Jesus living inside us. That is the anointing. If you've made a decision to follow Jesus, at that time, we call it salvation. At that time, some churches call it conversion. Whatever your brand is, it comes with the batteries included. When from that moment on, when God gives you an assignment, calls us to do something, it always comes with the anointing, the power to do that. Now, here's what I wanna do this morning. I don't wanna teach you three lessons. I want you to actually claim and, 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 and acknowledge and be aware of three truths that are true for you as we enter this new year. This, this secret weapon that's called the anointing. The first thing I want you to understand about the anointing is that I am anointed to accomplish my assignment. I'm gonna cause you to do something. Some of you will feel a little bit weird to do. I want you to say these words out loud after me. I am anointed to accomplish my assignment. One of the best things some of you could do is write that down somewhere prominent and stick it somewhere that you see that every single day. So when this terrifying assignment that God's given you gets reminded or you have to put shoes on and get busy doing it, you can remember the truth that I am anointed to accomplish my assignment. Pete Goodall, Pete was just leading up here a moment ago. Pete Goodall about a month ago, came up to me one day, his tail's wagging, and I'm like, oh yeah, here we go. Pete's got something new, something fresh to tell me. All right, you know, let's encourage him. And uh, he goes, hey, Mark, Mark you know, guess what? This morning, I'm, I'm at home with Colleen, Pete's wife. I'm at home with Colleen, and I had something on my phone. And, uh, and, and, I, wanted, and I showed it to her, and she said, oh, well, can, can, you, can you get that to me? And he, th- he thinks, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, so my phone, I can, I can, I can email it and then I can get on my computer and then I can email it to her. No, 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 that's too, too many steps. Um, I, can, I can text it to her, but I'm not sure if it'll go as because of the size of the file. Now, because like any true follower of Jesus, Pete and Colleen use all Apple products, they, they Pete, remembered there's a new feature on Apple called AirDrop. AirDrop. Now, to bring the rest of you up to speed, if you're a little bit uh, technical, technologically challenged. AirDrop is a Bluetooth-enabled data sharing mechanism. That's about as kind of blue-collar as I can make it. And it allows you to take what's on your Apple phone, aka smartphone, aka the only phone you really need to ever own. You can take that, whatever it is, that file, that picture, that whatever it is, and you can magically, spirit fingers, airdrop that onto someone else's Apple device. Ta-da! And it doesn't cost, it doesn't cost you anything, right? How good's that? Bluetooth. Write that down, Scotty Wheeler, you scam-sung-using, devil-worshipping hypocrite. So, um, but here's the catch. Well, there's a catch, get an Apple device, that's the first catch. But even if you have both have 
Apple devices. Here's the catch. Their phone has to be discoverable. This only works if you're in close, you don't, if you're in close proximity. You get this? God says to us, if you're discoverable, if you're in close proximity, if you are following in lockstep with me, I will take what's in me and put it in you, my Holy Spirit. And by that, you are anointed. But here's the thing. It only works if you're discoverable. God, who gives us the assignment, empowers us to accomplish the assignment. Our job is to be discoverable. All right. Let's proceed with the story. Samuel did what God told him. All right, that's it. End of preaching for 2015. There's the key right there. I'm done. Just write that down. Insert your name in, instead of Samuel's. And guess what? Gonna be a very different year for you. Scotty Downey did what God told him. Oh, see, this isn't one of the five secret weapons. I've given you a free one, a bonus one. There's six. How good is that? Oh, man. So good. When he arrived at Beth, but it was Samuel that said to God, I can't do it. He now figured that when God calls you to do something, he also empowers you to do it. So he did it. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the town fathers greeted him. But apprehensively, is there something wrong? Eh, nothing's wrong. I've come to sacrifice, exhibit A, this heifer, and lead you in the worship of God. Prepare yourselves, be consecrated, and join me in worship. I could preach for the next 30 minutes on that alone, what it means to come into a place of worship. Come prepared, not wiping the eye crispies out, not arriving at 10.05. But I won't. Some of you might think I'm preaching to you and judging you. I'm not judging you. It's God's job. And he noticed that you turned up at 10.05. He made sure Jesse and his sons were also consecrated and called to worship. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, Eliab, you had me at hello. That's not actually in there. But I thought that's maybe something he would have thought. Here he is, God's anointed. But God told Samuel, looks aren't everything, shallow Samuel. Don't be impressed with his looks and stature. I've already eliminated him. God judges persons differently than humans do. Thank God for that. Men and women look at the face. God looks into the heart. Well, Jesse then called up Abinadab and presented him to Samuel. Samuel said, no, nah, this man isn't God's choice either. Well, next Jesse presented Shema. Samuel said, uh-uh, no deal. This man isn't either. Jesse presented his seven sons to Samuel, and Samuel was blunt with Jesse. God hasn't chosen any of these. But then he asked Jesse, is this it? Are there no more sons? Well, yeah, there's the runt. All right, I'm not a parent. I very rarely give parenting advice, but I'm going to give you some right now. Please, if you're out there repping your children, don't refer to them to your friends and family as the runt. It's not good for their self-worth. But he's out tending the sheep. Samuel ordered Jesse, go get him. We're not moving from this spot until he's here. Samuel was there on a word from God that one of Jesse's sons will be the king. Jesse sent for him. He was brought in, the very picture of health. Bright-eyed, good-looking, God said, 
up on your feet, anoint him. This is the one. This story is cray-cray. David wasn't even in the showroom for this entire story. No, 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 no. Got any more? Well, yeah, but mm-mm, I think the answer's already no on him. In fact, so much so, we didn't even invite him. Would it have done any harm to have invited him for Jesse to just have included David? Would it, would it, would it, you know, even if it was one of the other 11 sons that got chosen, what harm would it have done for David to have been in there? Because actually he was just one of 11 that didn't get chosen. He wasn't even in the showroom. And God chose him. Here's an affirmation. I'm going to read it and then I want you to repeat it after me. Just because I'm not visible doesn't mean I'm not valuable. Say this with me. Just because I'm not visible doesn't mean I'm not valuable. See, the way it looks isn't always the way it is. It looks like David has been looked over. The truth was he was being looked after. It looked like David was being left out. The fact is he'd been set apart. You get this. Just because I'm not visible doesn't mean I'm not valuable. And some of you have spent some of your life, including 2014, feeling undervalued, underappreciated, underrated. And because of that, thinking somehow your own value in the eyes of God is translated into that currency. My boss doesn't appreciate me. My kids don't appreciate me. My spouse doesn't appreciate me. I don't appreciate me. Doesn't seem God appreciates me. These are all things some of you might be wrestling with heading into 2015, but invisibility is not an indication of unimportance. David wasn't forgotten, he was hidden. Boxing Day. Each year, Louis and I go and join my parents for Christmas lunch, but the next day, we spend Christmas Day with the Wogs, and then we go to the Skips, the Aussies, for, for Boxing Day, and we kind of pretend it's Christmas Day all over again. And uh, so this year we were there, Boxing Day, lunch, and we finished lunch, and my mom, being of British descent, after every meal, she has two cups of tea, made in a little two-cup teapot every meal. That's just what she does. So um, my mom and dad are a little bit less mobile than they used to be, so I tend to kind of do a bit of the the legwork. And so I said to my mom, you know, I'll make your tea for you. Um, Would you like me to get one of your nice teapots? My mom's been collecting teapots forever. She's got, she's, you know... She's had to buy more storage uh, cupboards for the teapots, not the other way around, you know. And um, I'm surprised there's even room for my father still in the house, actually. Um, but uh, so I said, you know, it's, 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 do you want me to get one of the, the nice teapots? Ah, nah. Well, what should I make? Oh, the one in the sink, the little white one, the, the $2.95 from Kmart made in some Bangladeshi sweatshop. Oh, all right. Great. So I made my mom a nice two pot of tea in some cheap, pathetic little teapot. She's sipping away. Oh, I said, would you like me to get one of the nice teacups? She also collects matching teacups. No, no. No, just get the little one that's, you know, with, with all the brown rim stains on the inside. I'll, I'll drink out of that. I'm like, what? 
So what, what's with all the nice ones? Oh, no, no, no. No, I didn't drink from them. That's only for special occasions. Which obviously Louis and I are not a special occasion coming over for Boxing Day lunch. But see, this is the point. My mom hides stuff that's valuable. That's what God was doing with David, hiding him because not because he was invisible, but because he was valuable. And here's the thing, even though your boss, your spouse, your kids, yourself might not see yourself as valuable because you don't feel like you're visible, it, God never loses your number. And it could very well be that God was hiding you in 2014 because he wants to bring you out to play, bring you into the showroom in 2015. So Samuel took his flask of oil and anointed David with his brothers standing around watching. And the Spirit of God entered David like a rush of wind, God vitally empowering him for the rest of his life. Samuel left and went home to Ramah. Now, we all know what happens next. Even if for, for, you've never even heard this story, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, even if you've never opened a Bible, you know what happens next. We all know what happens next. We, we watch TV. We've seen Hollywood movies. Samuel has gone along. God has confirmed that David's the, the, the new king. Samuel has actually now ripped open the cap of the horn, poured the oil over David and said, you are now, you know, God said, you are now, now anointed, given the assignment and the power to be the king of Israel. So we, know, we know what happens next. Samuel toddles off. David toddles after him. Samuel goes to Saul and says, hey mate, crown please, you're out. David, on the throne, bonk, you're in. And David's like, yep, awesome, right? <laughs> well, the next time David appears is six verses later. The writer says that Saul, who was experiencing a little a few issues at the moment, which, by the way, tends to happen when you make a habit of disobeying God. Why is all this happening to me? Hmm, yeah. No great mystery, Saul. So Saul sent messengers to Jesse requesting, send your son David to me, the one who tends the sheep. Well, we didn't see that coming. sort of Hollywood film is this? This is rubbish. I want my money back. You can have the popcorn. You can keep it. I'm going to chuck the popcorn everywhere. This movie sucks. Samuel comes along and, and God chooses David. Samuel cracks the oil, pours it all over him. David's now covered in oil, but he still smells like sheep. That's not how this stuff's meant to play out, right? Well, guess what? Good news. I don't need a better assignment to experience a greater anointing. Say this after me. I don't need a better assignment to experience a greater anointing. See, some of you are trying to worm your way out of some circumstances that you found yourself in 2014. And I wonder if God would bother empowering you 
for something you're trying to escape from. Oh, if I had a wife like his, then I'd be a better husband. Oh, if I had kids like theirs, then I'd be a better parent. Oh, if I had a job like theirs, then I'd be a better worker. Well, think about it. This year is your assignment to get a better spouse, better kids, or a better job? Maybe not, especially the first two. See, too often asking God for a greater anointing is code word for give me a different assignment. Sometimes God says, no, no, you're in it. And rather than trying to escape it, how about you lean into my anointing and trust me to help you get through it? This, okay, I got probably five more minutes. I need to let you know ahead of time what I'm about to teach for the next five minutes is not New Year's teaching. This is not what preachers are meant to preach about, what I'm about to preach about. Just letting you know, I'm gonna, I don't want to overpromise and underdeliver. I'm going to underpromise and underdeliver. I'm going to set the bar so low that, that the worst thing that can happen is I trip over it. No bars were hurt in the filming of this message. Because I'm about to tell you that for some of you going into 2015, God's got nothing new for you. I know. It's not what they told me at Bible college I meant to preach about in January. But for some of you at the beginning of 2015, you haven't passed the test that qualifies you for the promotion. God hasn't taught you what he wanted to teach you because you were too busy trying to wriggle out of it rather than lean into it. This is even the part of the message where as I look like a cyborg across the auditorium, some of you are thinking, dang, how does he know that? Well, I'm looking at all of you, so maybe I don't know that. My chosen sport is triathlon, and I, I, I take the sport pretty seriously. Triathlon is three sort of sports in one. Swimming, then cycling, and then running. Swimming's the weakest of the three for me. I didn't grow, grow up swimming. I had to start to learn the sport kind of from scratch, move from the land into the sea, figure it out as I go. No gills. And uh, so in a race, uh, my goal in a race is either to win or, or at worst finish in the top three. And... Uh, <laughs> problem is that I exit the water, the swim portion of most races at, at about the 25th percentile. So just to use round numbers, if there's 100 people in my category, I, I get out of the swim portion in 25th on average. Sometimes it's a bit worse, sometimes, but about 25% down on the field. And, uh, you know, to the untrained eye, it would seem like my lofty ambitions of getting a medal and finishing on the podium and, you know, doing that uh, is, is done for the day. Like, I should just kind of use the rest as a training exercise. But cycling and running are my best disciplines. And I work hard at them too. And uh, while all these other guys that are ahead of me were swimming laps in their teenage years, I was out cycling and running. And so now that we're on the land, I'm coming for you. And I've got this very special uh, method for catching the, the fish uh, that have exited the water in front. I've got this very special method. 
uh, and it goes like this. <clears throat> I get on the bike, and, and I clip my feet in, in, into the shoes, into the pedals, and this is what I do. Okay, listen up. This is what I do. It's my secret weapon. Now, I don't know if I should just give this away, especially because this is being podcast, so some of my fellow swimming-centric competitors might be listening to this, but all right, look, take a chance. Enough chips for every seagull, I think. Um, here's, my, here's, my, here's my tactic. Ready? Left foot, right foot, keep going. And then <clears throat> I catch, you know, I catch quite a lot of the guys, the fish, the guild ones. And I get off the bike at the end of the bike portion, and now it's onto the run portion. I'm a very good runner as well. And, I, and I've got this really crazy strategy that I use, and it's, it's this. Left foot, right foot, keep going. Now, when I first started the sport, and Louie, Louie's my Sherpa, she's my cheerleader, you know, all that sort of stuff in triathlon. And by the way, I'm not going to start dogging on her. This is not a very spectator-friendly sport. Right? <laughs> See you in an hour. See you in another hour. And it's a summer sport too. Jeez. I did the Ironman triathlon a couple of years ago. 10-hour race, 38 degrees. I got the medal and the towel. She's kept them because she reckons she worked harder than I did. Probably right. <laughs> um, but early on when I was starting the sport, and I was new to the sport, and Louis was new to spectating. And it's not a very spectator-friendly sport. One of my funniest uh, uh, memories of 2014 was watching the New York Marathon and some spectators on the side of the course in the New York Marathon with the sign, Worst Parade Ever. Clever. So that's the kind of thing. So Louis's there very early on, and I would go past, left foot, right foot, left foot, right foot. And she would yell out, keep going. And be like, all right, we need to debrief. Because her yelling that, it does nothing for me because I already have that strategy in place. You need to kind of mix it up, sweetheart. Give, give me something with a bit more color and a bit more. Keep going. Left foot, right foot, keep going. For some of you, you're starting the year and God actually hasn't got anything new for you. He wants you to pass a test that you haven't yet passed. He wants you to experience some breakthrough that you haven't yet broken through. He wants to build some character in you, some faith in you that, 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 that you haven't got yet before he promotes you to the next level. And the start for you isn't about new, more, better. It's about keep going. Not prayer for promotion, but prayer for persistence in the same circumstances. Same stuff. <laughs> well, it's just not another t-shirt idea. I have a lot of t-shirt ideas up here. This is just, just have S-S-G-A. Same stuff, greater anointing. Maybe that's your motto for 2015 because here's this. Let me rewind the tape. Verse 13, Samuel took his flask of oil and anointed him and his brothers, with his brothers standing around watching, the Spirit of God entered David like a rush of wind. God vitally empowering him for the rest of his life, which the very next chapter involved him going back 
to the sheep. S-S-G-A, same sheep, greater anointing. (laughs) Will God empower you for promotion? Yeah, probably. For some of you, he has. For some of you, he will. He's the God of promotion. Promotion's a Bible idea. But even if he doesn't, in the first part of 2015, get out and do the same stuff with a greater awareness of the anointing that already lives in you. God doesn't give us an assignment without including the batteries. It's kind of a funny message to start the year with because it actually doesn't really require you to do anything. You know, like New Year's resolutions and New Year's messages, you've got to write it down, I've got to get out here and remember to do that. And, you know, we've got stuff on the list. Uh, this is one of those kind of weird ones. Nothing on the list. Nothing on the list that you didn't already walk in with. This is about having increased awareness of the power you have already been given to accomplish the assignment you've already been given and go into 2015 with that greater awareness that the batteries are included. How good is that? I'll do one more thing. I'm gonna hand back to Pete. It's to give you an opportunity if you haven't yet made your own decision to follow Jesus to put your faith in Him. You know, I talked about the airdrop and about the idea that you've got to be discoverable. You've got to be in close proximity. Maybe you're someone who's never made that decision to be in close proximity with Jesus, to have a relationship with Him, to put your trust in Him and to to start following Him. Well, here's the thing. Right now, I'm going to give you that opportunity. In a moment, I want you to put your hand up. And and if you've never made that decision, you say, yeah, I want to make that decision today. I want to follow Jesus today. I want to put my trust in him today. And when I see a hand, you can put it down. And then we're just going to quickly pray all together. So for those of you that have never made that decision to to say to Jesus, I want to follow you, put my trust in you, just put your hand up now real quickly. And when I see a hand, you can put it down. And then we're going to pray. I don't want to miss anybody. We give people this opportunity every week. It's the most important thing we do. Just slip your hand up real quickly and say, that's me. I've never made that decision. I'm making that decision now. Yes, Jesus, I want to follow you. Here endeth week one. Everyone enjoy that? Man, good on your mark for crashing into 2015 with a great message. I couldn't have pulled that off, man. I'm still hungover. I mean, tired. Um, I did. I was behaved myself at, on New Year's. Actually, I drove home. Did the right thing. Hey, next week, Sticks and Stones Part, part 2. Mark's going to be teaching you about discovering a fresh perspective on maximizing our unique talent. So I'd be interested. I reckon you should bring someone because uh, everyone's got unique talents. And it doesn't matter whether they're Christian or not. Everyone has them. And we need to understand what God wants to do with them. So bring someone along.